When the organization has high trust, customers prefer to buy from it, even at higher prices. The employees are less stressed, more engaged, and more satisfied with their jobs. They're capable of conducting a constructive disagreement that leads to creativity. Those high-trust companies are more innovative and productive. Projects are completed on time and budget 45% more than low-trust organizations. They deliver five times higher profits and 286% higher shareholder returns. It's all good. But what does that have to do with the board of directors? In this episode, I will give you four ways in which the board can influence the level of trust in the organization for better or worse. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? I want to start with a story. I served once on a uh, an industry organization. I served on the board of that industry organization. And uh, we had an executive director or the CEO of that organization. Uh, we hired him a few weeks, uh, a few, actually a few months earlier. And um, he, he was, he had high promise, but didn't deliver. He did different things than what we expected him to do. And uh, we had a board meeting, part of which was an executive session to talk about his performance. Well, we started going around the room. I believe we were about 13 directors and we started going around the room and everybody was complaining about their the executive director's performance. And they were not happy. I mean, there wasn't a single one who was really happy. And it got to one director who said, you know, what I suggest we do is we tell him, the executive director, that the board is going to step in and help him. And uh, he needs to understand that when the board says that uh, the board is willing to step in and help him, that's really a bad sign. And so we went around the table and everybody uh, said uh, what they felt and uh, what they thought that uh, we should do. And when we were done, uh, we decided we're going to bring him in and every person is going to tell them, tell him, the, the executive director, what they felt. So we brought him in and we started. And the first person obviously didn't want to be the person that delivers the bad news. And so the first person said, oh, we're, we're pretty happy with your performance. And it went on to the next one. And I was, I was actually amazed. And went on to the next one, and the next one said, oh, you're doing a great job. And and I was stunned. And, and it got to that director who said uh, that, you know, the board is going to step in and help him. And uh, he, the executive director, better understand that when the board says they're going to come in and help you, then um, that's a really bad sign for an executive director or a CEO. But when it was her turn, she said... You know, we talked about it and uh, we're willing to come in and help you. You know, it was very similar 
or the words were very similar, but the tone and the way it was delivered, he lit up. The, the executive director smiled and he said, oh, I really, really appreciate it. And I was thinking to myself, man, he did not understand what she was saying. But but let's be honest, she didn't say it in a way that he would understand it the way it was said when he was not in the room. So we went one by one and somehow, I don't know if I was the last one, but, but I was pretty close to the end. When it was my turn, I said, you know what? I, I have to say something. This is not what happened in the room when you were not here. This is not what they said. Everybody here that says you're doing a great job and, and they're happy with you when you were not in the room said that they were not happy with you. I'm not happy with your performance. When we agreed that we're going to say that the board steps in, the way it was said when you were not in the room was that this is a bad sign for a CEO. This is a bad sign for an executive director. And I don't think that we just convey that message to you. You could probably hear a pin drop after I said that. And um, we started going again around the table, uh, around and in the room, and, and the feedback that he got this time was different. It was much, much closer to the feedback that we shared when he was not in the room. So, you know, I'm not going to talk about the impact of that type of behavior and the tone of voice to trust, because you probably heard me and will hear me talk about that a lot. But he didn't speak to me for about six months, I think. He, he didn't speak to me because it, it, it felt like I was the person who turned this whole feedback that he was getting uh, I, I turned it around to from a positive thing to a negative thing. It took about six months for him to one day call me and wanted to have dinner with me. He was in town and uh, he wanted to, to have dinner with me. We sat down and he said, you know what, Yoram? It took me six months to realize that you gave me the best feedback that I could have hoped for. Because your feedback made me realize what I was doing wrong and nobody, until you started talking, nobody gave me that kind of feedback. And I'll talk a lot more about that when I talk about feedback and, and what's negative feedback and what's positive feedback and how feedback makes you improve. But I'll tell you one thing. He ended up being the best executive director that we ever had in that organization. I was with that organization for, I think, more than 10 years uh, most of them, many of them on the board. And he was the best executive director, but he was that because we were open with him, because we gave them feedback that he needed. The trust with the CEO is really important, and that's going to be one of the components that I'll talk about. Why is trust even important to your company? Well, obviously, I covered a lot of that in previous episodes of this podcast, the, the four seasons of this podcast. But it starts with your customers. If you're an organization, you have customers, and the customers must trust you to buy from you, to, to get services from you. We have a lot of shady practices going on today that start with uh, pure fraud and trying to reap customers out of their money without giving them any value to practices, marketing and sales practices that uh, are focused on, on the company getting uh, revenue rather than the 
customer getting value. The customer is getting some, but not proportional to the amount of money that they're asked to be paid. There is a general decline in trustability. So trust is becoming a great differentiator for companies today. And and I'll talk more about that in a separate episode. But uh, I, I even found in one of my surveys that customers in general are willing to even pay a higher price, pay a premium. In fact, a 29.6% price premium for buying or getting services from a trusted company, a real trusted company, not a company that says in a commercial, I'm a trusted company, but a company that they really feel that they can trust. That's the customers, shareholders, The uh, National Association for Corporate Directors, or uh, NACD, had recently published a couple of uh, uh, articles on uh, things that would make your shareholders and stakeholders trust you. Two of them were DEI, or Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and the other was CSR, or Corporate Social Responsibility. And of course, we can uh, throw the environmental footprint and all. Those are all great things. Those are values that uh, shareholders really care. But you know what? Is this everything that they care about? So if you're a company that really embraces diversity, equity, and inclusion, and corporate social responsibility, but you deliver no revenue, no profit, your share price keeps going down, do you think that your shareholders would trust you? Because you have adopted the DEI and CSR uh, practices and that you focus on talent and, and other things. They don't. It, it doesn't come one at the expense of the other. One is a value and, and the other is competence. And there are more components that, that track into the model. So shareholders will trust you not only because you have all those lofty goals, the social goals, but They expect more things from you, especially if you are a for-profit organization and especially if you're a public organization. Beyond that, we have the employees. And you know what? I remember seeing the the, the mission statement for Southwest Airlines where the CEO, who's now the the retired CEO, said that uh, our most important, most valuable asset is our employees. So many airlines, for example, and companies in general, they focus on uh, how we deliver the best experience to our customers. But let me tell you something. If you have your customers in your mission statement and you forget your employees, happy employees deliver value to their customers. Happy employees make happy customers. So you should care about your employees. Your employees will strive in a high-trust environment. They're going to have lower stress. And and we're talking 76% less stress, 74% more engagement, 13% less absenteeism. They're going to be satisfied with their jobs. I gave all those numbers. Some of them I researched myself. Others came from other research done by other people. And they're all included in the book of trust, the complete book of trust, uh, now in the third edition. Your employees would strive in a company that has high levels of trust. And when your employees strive, the company performance goes up. So, for example, I found that creativity and productivity go up about 
uh, 50 to 64% when you have high trust. Innovation leads to profit. I found research that shows that innovative companies and innovative companies are companies that have trust because that was already correlated. Innovative companies deliver 5%, uh, five times higher profits. 286% increase in shareholder returns. I said that at the introduction. So increasing the trust in the company means that your customers will buy more, your shareholders will trust you beyond things like DEI and corporate social responsibility or CSR or environmental footprint, all important things, but they're going to trust you if you actually perform. It doesn't come one at the expense of the other. Employees will strive. When employees will strive, you'll get all of those and the company performance will increase. This is why trust is important to your company. Now I'll talk about what your role is as a director. I served on many boards, varying from uh, the board of the uh, Plano Independent School District, uh, a three-quarter billion dollar school district uh, with uh, 50,000, more than 50,000 students. I served on the board of the Wi-Fi Alliance, an industry association. I served on boards of companies, for-profit, non-profit organizations. And there are several things that are general uh, roles of the board. One of them is governance. You provide governance. You're the ones who set the policies, uh, set the direction for the company. In that role, what you must do is make trust a priority. You have to talk to the CEO and you need to make, make it clear to the CEO that trust is a priority for the company. Trust inside of the company trust outside of the company. Inside, between the CEO and, and the executive team, between the executive team and the rest of the company, between people within the company, trust outside of the company, you need your company to be trusted by your customers and other stakeholders that are outside of the company, such as shareholders, such as investors. So in your governance role, you need to make trust a priority. It shouldn't just be words. You need to let the CEO know that you really mean it, that trust is a priority for this company. Making this a trusted company is a priority, not saying that this company is trusted. And it's really important that, that you understand the difference. Saying that this is a trusted company, I, I always cringe when I see commercials that say, we are your trusted provider of, says who? Who said that you are trusted? Who said that I trust you? So you need to make trust in your role as governance, providing governance to the company. You need to make trust a priority. You need to make it clear that you really mean that trust is a priority. Not just say it. You don't want to just use it in marketing. That's the first part. You have an oversight role being on the board. And in your oversight role, really what you do is you make sure that your company, the company you're on the board of, complies with the governance. And if part of your governance was to say trust is a priority, part of your oversight is to make sure that you have a high level of trust. In a future episode of this podcast, I'm going to talk about how you measure trust 
because trust is one of those things that that's kind of uh, pretty vague. But but I'll show you how to measure trust, how trust can be measured, uh, and I'll I'll just give you kind of a a very short version of it. You measure it based on inputs and outputs. If you can't measure trust itself, treat trust and trustworthiness as a black box and measure what goes into that black box because you know if the right inputs go into that black box, then you will have trust. And you can use the outputs from that box to realize that you do have a level, level of trust. So in your role as providing oversight to the company, you have to measure those metrics. You know, the metrics that typically you would look at, uh, you would look at profitability, you would look at uh, earning per share, uh, EPS multipliers. Uh, you, you would look at different things, but you must insist to look at trust metrics. Now, I'm, I'm not going to claim that I'm the only person that has developed trust metrics and that there's only one right set of trust metrics, but whatever it is, you have to demand that trust metrics be implemented, that you will review them, that you will set goals to where you want them to be. Typically, after you initially, after you did it the first one, two, three times, you will have to set a baseline. And once you set a baseline, you can start setting goals. So, your first role is make trust a priority. That's your role in governance. In oversight, your first role is to um, make trust one of the metrics that you want to measure. The third role is in the relationship that you have with the CEO. Now, I, I know that when you look at the CEO and, and you think about trust, you're probably thinking, well, we need to trust the CEO. The CEO has to be someone we can trust. But it actually works both ways. Not only that the CEO has to be someone you can trust, but the CEO has to know that they can trust you. One way that you trust the CEO is by not micromanaging them. And by not micromanaging, by giving the CEO autonomy, which, by the way, if you don't give autonomy, what you'll get from the CEO is just a CYA. Every time you go to a board meeting, it's just going to be a show. A show made for you that may or may not be somehow related to what's really going on in the company. That's not what you want to have. So what am I saying when I say CEO, uh, don't micromanage the CEO, give the CEO an autonomy? Autonomy, and, and I love the definition of Teresa Amabile, and, and I used a lot of her research in Harvard uh, on, uh, not on trust, on, on creativity and an environment for creativity. And she has a great definition for autonomy. The autonomy that you need to give the CEO is not to choose which mountain to climb, but to choose how to climb the mountain. Don't micromanage the CEO. I've seen boards do that. They go into too low a level of um, micromanaging, of, of the level of detail that you want from the CEO. Stay at the high level. Stay at the what are the mountains. And, and you do that in your part as governance and oversight when you look at those metrics. The CEO needs to know which mountain they need to climb, but not how to climb that mountain. And by the way, if you see another board member do that, micromanage, go to low level. And they typically would do that not, not because they're bad board members. They do that because 
they are really familiar and they're really good in that area. You know, one of the board members is a former CFO and probably a very good CFO because otherwise you're not going to be on that board, hopefully. And so you see the financial reports and you go, I could do that better. And you start micromanaging them because that's an area that you understand. Well, if you see another board member do that, stop them. So you don't want to cut the CEO too much slack and like, we're not going to measure anything. We're not going to check everything. I was on a board of an organization where the CEO forgot to make sure that the company was in good standing with the state. (laughs) You don't want to go that far either. So autonomy is not absolute. Autonomy is not just do whatever and we trust you and we're not never going to check. Autonomy is you have to agree or, or tell the CEO which mountain he or she needs to climb, but you don't tell them how to do that. The You need to make the CEO comfortable saying, I don't know, I was wrong, and not be afraid to deliver bad news. So you, you need to know how you respond to failure. Now, There are companies and and there are philosophies that say, let's celebrate failure. Don't. Don't celebrate failure. I'm not in favor of celebrating failure. Celebrating failure is bad. Failure is bad. You don't want to celebrate it. But you need to accept that failure can be on a path to success. You need to understand and, and you need to make sure that failure leads to learning that leads to success. But if... The CEO doesn't trust you, then they're not going to deliver bad news. And you're going to find about it when it's too late. And you're going to fire the CEO, and that might be fine. The CEO may have factored that into her or his uh, decision-making, that that you're going to fire them. At some point, they've made enough money, and so they're good, and they have golden handcuffs, and... uh, so, you know, even when, when you fire them, you're going to fire them with, I don't know, a $100 million retirement bonus. So why do they care? No, you need to make sure that the CEO feels comfortable enough delivering bad news. You need to be receptive. And that starts with trust. Finally, as a board, your behavior in the boardroom sets an example for the rest of the company. What you do, how you behave with one another, sets an example for the rest of the company. If you have a high level of trust in the board, within the board, and I worked with boards to build a high level of trust within the board. And by the way, one of the hardest boards to work with is the board of an independent school district, a public school system, because people on that board were elected by the public. They were not invited, like in many other boards. And it's hard to build trust in those boards, those types of boards, boards of elected officials. But the behavior, the level of trust on the board spills over to the rest of the organization. When the CEO sees that you have a high level of trust, they want to have the same level of trust within their executive uh, committee or their their executive uh, uh, group. And... When you bring some of the executives into the board meeting, vice president, executive vice presidents, and they see the level of trust, 
they're going to emulate that at the executive team. And if the executive team shows high level of trust, the employees are going to emulate that. And you're going to spill over that trust that starts at the board to the rest of the company. So I promise you four roles that the board plays in building trust in a company. One is through governance, through making trust a priority. Two is by oversight, by demanding to have trust metrics in place, set a baseline, set goals, and track the performance, the trust performance. The relationship that you have with the CEO that has to be a trusted relationship in both directions. You have to be able to trust the CEO, but the CEO has to be able to trust you. And finally, by setting an example in your behavior as a board, your example spills over to the rest of the company. In summary, and this is going to be a little more than summary, I want you to first remember that trust is relative. It's not absolute. It's not universal. Following things like DEI and CSR, because that's what you were told, that that any company that demonstrates DEI and CSR is a company to be trusted, uh, that's only a part of the picture, and it might end up being a small part of the picture. If you have very strong values, but no profit, no revenue, continuous growth, low EPS, uh, then you know what? Uh, You're not, you shouldn't be trusted because it's not all about values. Values play a big role, but it's not all about values. And different people are going to see differently because trust is relative and dynamic. And throughout this podcast and and my videos and everything, and the books, the Book of Trust and, and others, you will see that trust is relative and dynamic. The same eight laws of trust that apply to trust in every, any relationship, whether it's a relationship with your spouse, whether it's a relationship with anybody else, the same eight laws apply to your operation as a board and the relationship between the board and the CEO and the rest of the company. The same six model, the same six components of my model of trust, you know, the who you are, the competence, uh, personality, compatibility, and symmetry, and the what you do, positivity, time, and intimacy, those same eight, six components apply to your role on the board as well as everything else. Your role on the board, I already gave you four elements. In your governance, make trust a priority. In your oversight, oversight, ask for trust metrics and keep tracking them and look for continuous improvement there. Build trust in the relationship you have with the CEO. And number four, set example, because the behavior, your behavior on the board spills over to the rest of the company. But I hope you got something else out of this, because other than being board members, you're also human beings. I mean, I guess I never met you, but you are human beings. And trust is important for you in other contexts as well, other than just being a member of a board of directors. It's important in your own companies. You may be working in your own companies. You may be on the board of one company, but you're also the CEO of another or an employee in another. What you learn here applies to your other company, your other business, your family, how to be more trusted by your or build trust with your spouse, with your kids. 
with your friends. You want to be trusted. I hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.